if you are going through an emotion or, and you can recognize that emotion, being able to say like, okay, today I'm feeling shitty, period, the end. Like that's it. <laughs> like we don't need to I do anything that. about it. We don't need to explain it. We don't need to excuse it. We don't need to, you know, go on a 10 mile run to make us feel bad. Like, okay, I- I'm feeling kind of shitty, the end. Welcome to the Thoughts from the Couch podcast. I'm anxiety treatment expert and licensed mental health counselor, Justine Carino. I'm here to help you understand the root of your anxiety so you can create new habits that actually stick. Toxic behavior patterns, dysfunctional relationships, and childhood family trauma are all linked to the anxiety you experience. And that's exactly what we dive into on this podcast. Join me as I guide you through flipping the script on your negative thoughts, setting healthy boundaries in your relationships, and cultivating a self-care practice that's as unique as you are. From my couch to yours, let's create your path to peace. Welcome to episode 45 of the Thoughts from the Couch podcast. In this episode, I get to talk with another fellow licensed mental health counselor, Mary Ellen Dance. The idea for this episode came out of one of my own therapy sessions with a client. We were talking and this client said something along the lines that she thought therapy would make her feel happy. And I realized I needed to reset her expectations. Therapy will not guarantee happiness. Just like many things in life cannot guarantee happiness. Therapy can help you learn how to cope differently, help you make important changes, understand your unhelpful patterns, make sense of your past, help you move forward to your future, but it can't guarantee this long-lasting feeling of happiness. So this conversation made me think a little deeper. We are all being sold happiness. What is wrong with feeling meh, eh, I feel blah, I feel neutral, okay-ish, as Mary Ellen would call it? Why do we have an expectation that we should be happy all of the time? If you're interested in learning about this expectation, Tune in to this episode where you can hear me unpack this further with Mary Ellen. Trust me, it's a good one. I mean, who doesn't want to hear two therapists talk shop? Mary Ellen's amazing. She's a psychotherapist. She has a group practice, and she also hosts the podcast called OK-ish. So let's dive in. Hi, Mary Ellen. Thank you so much for speaking with me today and coming on to talk to my audience. Hi, Justine. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career? Um, yeah, so I am a licensed mental health counselor and I have been practicing since 2011, which as I'm saying that out loud, it makes me feel old. Uh, <laughs> I currently have own a private practice, but prior to being in a private practice, I was a substance abuse counselor. I worked, um, in interpersonal violence. Um, I worked in jails for a little while. I got like a lot of different experience, which was, which was really great. And then I've been in private practice since 2017. I love that. And I'm, I get excited when I meet other licensed mental health counselors, because I don't know if it was like this when you went to grad school, but when I went to grad school, there weren't that many, it was pretty new. And we were like the low man on the totem pole. Like I felt like people looked at us like, what's this new degree? And now every LMHC that I meet is like killing it. And is like doing so many cool things with their careers that they didn't even teach us in grad school. They didn't at all. And I agree with you. Like when I went for LMHC, I definitely was like, is this right? Like, am I going to be able to get a job? But I feel like it has just boomed. It's amazing. Yeah. It's It's awesome to see. 
And I love seeing other LMHCs that are like entrepreneurial like yourself. It's so exciting. So I'm happy to I know. I wish you. they taught us about it in grad school though, because I have definitely been, you know, guessing. Which... Yeah. <laughs> me too. Like, let me try this. Let's see how this goes. So how did you get the idea of having a podcast called OK-ish? So <laughs> I got the idea because, and I'm sure you can relate to this too, Everyone I meet, when they find out that I'm a therapist, they all have similar questions. Um, And all of the questions or the preconceived notions are usually very inaccurate. And at the time that I started OK-ish, I was getting really, really annoyed with what I was seeing in the media, quite frankly, about therapists, about mental health. There's a lot of, I'm sure we've heard the term toxic positivity. There's a lot of that going around. I started OKish in the summer of 2020. So that was right after the pandemic started and everyone was talking about mental health, but they didn't really know what they were talking about, right? On the news, it was like, take care of your mental health, but we don't know what to tell you about it because we don't know what we're talking about kind of thing. And so I came up with it to be like, I want to I wanna be kind of a translator for what these things actually mean. Like, I want to translate. You heard this word somewhere. You heard it on the news. You heard a friend has this diagnosis, whatever it means. I want to translate it into, into what it actually means um, and not these kind of assumptions that were just guessing on. I absolutely love that because you're (laughs) right. Mental health has like taken a front seat since the pandemic, which is amazing, right? Before no one really wanted to pay attention to it or talk about it. But now that people start talking about it, there's a lot of false narratives around how to actually help your mental health. So I love that you are kind of reframing and educating and teaching about how to take care of mental health and what our mental health looks like and what it is and what a disorder is, right? If someone has a diagnosis, I absolutely love that. Well, and also what it is not too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like I am a very, I have always, always, always struggled with the term self-care. I don't love the term self-care. I understand what people mean when they say self-care, but I don't love it. And, and that was one of my, my biggest things was starting okay. I was like, I want to talk about what self-care actually is. And that like yoga is wonderful, but like, that's not necessarily what it means. <laughs> yes. Yes. I agree. And I think And I say this a lot with my clients in this course I'm putting together, like we all have like mental health routines, like things we need to do. Like I like that word better than self-care. I agree with you. Like we have a mental health routine. There's things that we need to do to make us feel okay, to de-stress, but it's not just one thing that's going to help it. It has to be a combination of tools, right? That absolutely help us move forward. I, when I started my podcast, I had someone right before I started my podcast, like I had the idea, it was in the works. And I had someone come to me and say, oh, you're a therapist. And I said, yeah. And they said, so what do you, what do you talk to your clients about? Like, do you just tell them to do more self-care? And I was like, this is why I'm starting the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. And I get cringy. I don't know if you get cringy if people say like certain things are therapy to them. Like I take personal offense when someone's like, my Peloton ride was my therapy today. I'm like, no, I'm glad you rode your Peloton. 
good for you. That's part of your mental health routine. That's a great coping coping mechanism, but that is not therapy. And I get so cringed out when people say certain things are therapy to them because that's not therapy. I am so glad you said that <laughs> I, because I completely agree. Those things are great, but they're different than therapy. It's not Much the same. Different. And I love that you say you have to correct people on what therapy is not. Like I've had um I've had even parents, I work with teenagers a lot, say like, I thought you'd be able to sniff this out. I thought you would have been able to see this. Like if something came up with their teenager that I didn't catch on to. Like, I'm not a private investigator. <laughs> like I, you, you want something to be discovered, go hire a detective. Like I can't sniff out every problem that's going on. I only see the person 50 minutes once a week, right? So that's, therapists are not mind readers either. Right. And we can't sniff out everything. So I love that you're kind of, putting all this language for people to understand. So one thing that I find myself saying frequently in my sessions is that all emotions are important, even negative ones, right? And this kind of correlates to why I want to talk to you today. And that emotions come and go. They're fleeting for the most part, right? So just like anxiety and sadness can come and go, happiness does too. And it's unrealistic for us to expect that we will be happy all of the time, right? And I feel like some people have that expectation. And if someone's trying to sell this to you, right, they're bullshitting you. You're not going to be happy all of the time. And we have to really reframe it. Like just as a sad emotion comes and goes for the most part, so do happy emotions, right? For most of the part, we're kind of like, bleh, like we're kind of neutral. We're okay-ish. What do you think of that? I... 1000% agree with you. I have a lot to say about this. I think that being happy all the time, not only is it unrealistic, but it's not fulfilling. Like happiness isn't necessarily, happiness is wonderful. Like I strive for happiness. I want to be happy, but like there's so many emotions that are fulfilling emotions and that make us who we are and that strengthen relationships and that, you know, bring us joy not just happiness. And I think that people have this like kind of um, black and white view of like, you're happy or it's bad. And it's like, well, well, no, that's, that's not how it works. And it's just quite frankly, not realistic. And I think that a lot of people are struggling because they have this expectation that, you know, we're going to be happy all the time. Like I always tell my clients that like, if we can wake up with like a low grade, good mood, like that's great. Like a low grade, you know, positive mood. That's lovely. Sometimes we're not going to wake up that way. Hopefully a lot of the time we are, but like, (laughs) like life isn't this, like, let me just be happy all the time. And quite frankly, if it were, I think we'd all be bored. (laughs) I think we'd be bored. I think we wouldn't have those like fulfilling relationships and fulfilling experiences. And I think that part of the message I want to send with okay ish is that like we, it's okay to increase our tolerance for negative emotions. I think that people have a negative emotion and they, for lack of a better term, freak out. They're like, I have this negative emotion. I need to fix it. It's like, what? Why? Why? Like, yeah, the goal is not to feel negative all the time, of course, but like you're having a negative emotion. Like you said, that's going to come and go. Emotions are fleeting. Like, why do we need to fix it? Like, let's just 
let's just move forward with it. Um, and I, I actually think that that can create a lot of frustration in people because they have a negative emotion or an uncomfortable emotion. They want to immediately try to fix it. They can't. And then they're even more frustrated. And then that leads to more negative and uncomfortable emotions. And so that's why I'm like, okay, let's just, let's just be okay. Let's just be okay. (laughs) I love that. And it's all about increasing our tolerance. Like you said, to uncomfortable emotions. And I think it's hard, um, harder today than I think it was in the past, just because of the way the world works today, to understand that, to accept that, and not to react to our emotions, right? We feel, and it's natural, we want to get rid of these feelings. So we react to them. We, and then we become impulsive, like, um, we're, we're heartbroken and it's so uncomfortable. So we want to fix it somehow. So maybe we react by having this drunken hookup over the weekend, or we send our ex-boyfriend like paragraphs and paragraphs about how we're truly feeling about them. So like we're, (laughs) we're making decisions to get rid of this heartbreak, the sadness, the anxiety over the breakup, just as an example, but it's not always what is best for us. So when we're able to actually slow down and get comfortable with being uncomfortable, we can react to our triggers a lot better. Absolutely. I had a situation recently with someone, not, not a client, um, an acquaintance who they were talking about something, something that was frustrating them. I honestly don't even remember what they were talking about, like a family frustration. And my response was, oh, that sucks. And they were like, is this what you get paid for? I was like, first of all, that's a little offensive. (laughs) Second of all, like, what, what do you like? Yeah, that does suck. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Sometimes things just suck. There's not much to say about it. And we just have to accept that it sucks. Yeah. Going the way we want it to go. Right. Right. And tolerate that and understand that. And one of the things that like drives me crazy, um, like in the media, um, is when people say like, don't, you know, don't accept anything other than the best. Don't accept anything other than happiness. Or I don't know if I'm like wording it correctly, mm-hmm. but I'm like, what do you mean? Like, that's not life. That's not life. <laughs> that's not life. And something, sometimes, most of the time, Things get difficult in life, right? And we feel stressed. We feel nervous. We feel anxious. We feel sad. We grieve, right? It's okay not to have this exciting reaction to things all the time because that's not how the how the world works and how our emotions really work as humans. Yeah. And I think we'll be happier with ourselves, more confident, more comfortable with ourselves if we're comfortable with that fact, with the fact that these emotions are fleeting and we can like ride the waves of the emotions a little bit. Like, of course, we don't want to be, you know, texting our ex-boyfriend telling him how we really feel when we have these emotions, but being able to kind of accept the emotions. You know, I also work with a lot of people that decide to use um, psychiatric medication to help their mental health, right? And I'm mm-hmm. so supportive of that, of that as needed. Um, so I might have a client say like, you know, it's been six weeks. I started my Zoloft and I'm not feeling happy. And I'm like, we have to totally reframe your perspective on the function of Zoloft in your life or whatever it is. If it's an ADD med, I'm still kind of struggling with my attention or my organization, right? These medications are so beyond helpful, right? Mm -hmm. They have a purpose, but they're not the magic pill and they're not going to make you happy or function a certain way. They're going to alleviate 
some of the depression, some of the anxiety you were feeling and maybe bring you – and I'll say, like, are you at a baseline of, like, meh? With, yeah. And meh is so much better than severely depressed. So, yes, that is progress. It, your medication is helping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And same with, like, anxiety. Like, they'll say, like, I am, like, not that calm, but I haven't cried in five days and my thoughts aren't racing and I'm able to sleep at night. I'm like, that's progress. That is helpful to you. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I think that people, you know, we also live in this world of like quick fixes and like, okay, we can continue to improve. We can continue to go to therapy and work on ourselves and, you know, change these things, but recognizing the progress is is huge. Like it it takes one step at a time. I agree. So I think all of this and anyone listening, you kind of have to challenge your expectation of what feelings are supposed to be about and how we're supposed to feel as human beings. And it's not happiness all the time. It's like this baseline of I'm okay. Things are going okay. Some days you're content. Some days you're meh, bleh, whatever. And that's normal. And that's normal. My mom, who is not a therapist, she always said when I was growing up, and don't tell her, but she's, she's more wise than I give her credit for. But she always said that happiness was a side effect. She was like, happiness is a side effect to like how you're living and what you're doing and who you're spending time with. Like, it's not, you know, it's not a destination. It's not like a goal. It's not, you know, the only side effect, but it's one of the great side effects. And I've just, I've always kept that in my mind because I think it's a really um, realistic view. I love that. I'm going to borrow that from your mom. (laughs) I'm going to borrow from her. I love that. As long as you don't tell her how smart she is. (laughs) I, I won't. I will not. I am so happy to announce that my first ever online program, The Path to Peace, is here. This is a step-by-step mini course to help you create your unique anxiety management routine in just seven days. This was designed to help the overachieving, people-pleasing perfectionist gain control over racing thoughts, manage overwhelming feelings of anxiety, and craft a self-care practice to optimize their mental health through evidence-based treatment methods. These strategies will leave you with a sense of freedom from your own thoughts, help you live more presently, and make decisions out of intention instead of fear. The course includes the exact process that I use with my one-to-one clients in my private practice that has resulted in them telling me that they feel like a new person because of implementing the tools they've learned from our work together. You can find the link to the Path to Peace in the notes section of this episode and on my website, carinocounseling.com. think we got this like unspoken expectation of needing to be happy all the time like where did this start how did we get here like what contributes to this expectation I think a lot of things contribute to it and I don't I don't know the specific answer to what contributes to it I think that we overcorrected a little bit with mental health (laughs) um I think that there's a stigma around mental health and we want to destigmatize it Absolutely. I think in a lot of ways we have destigmatized it. I think in a lot of ways we overcorrected with it's important to be happy and do this and no anxiety and no depression and toxic positivity and hustle culture and all of this. That's like, okay, we got to kind of find the balance here of yes, we want to destigmatize mental health. Um, but in some ways, I think we've actually 
stigmatized it more in like, oh, you're feeling depressed. We'll just do more self-care. Okay. Nope. That's not how it works. Mm -hmm. That's not what depression is. You, You know, like things like that. I think we haven't quite found the balance of that. I think that there's a lack of education. I think that we're trying to, you know, I've heard of schools trying to do mindful minutes and things like that, educate a little bit more around mental health, but I still think we have a long way to go on that. I personally think that social media has not helped. (laughs) Um, I know it hasn't helped me. Um, I think there are some really, really great things about social media. I mean, we've connected on social media. Mm -hmm. Like there's really great things. There's great messages out there, but it's a lot to kind of sift through, which makes it difficult. So I don't know if that answers the question. (laughs) I love, yes, it does. And I love how you framed it as we overcorrected the mental health problem, you're right. Now there's so much information out there and it can be overwhelming and sets a precedence that like we need to be doing things to improve ourselves and our feelings all the time. I see it myself. Like I have two Instagram accounts and I have to say, I think social media has a huge part in this because we're just so attached to social media. I have my personal account and then I have my my business account, right? Mm -hmm. And because of the algorithm, I keep getting fed more and more therapists and self-help on my business account because I post about that stuff. So I log in and I scroll and it's just everyone, everyone's a therapist, right? Because I'm a therapist. So that's what the algorithm's feeding me. And everyone has so many good things to say that even me as a therapist can get confused. Like, oh, that's how that person's treating anxiety. Oh, that's their skill. Oh, that person treats depression this way. Oh, this. So it's, I don't even want to log in sometimes on my business account to see what other people are doing. Cause I'm just so overwhelmed. And I could see If an everyday person is logging into their social media and they've been looking up therapists or they've been looking up self-help, how their algorithm has now started to feed them Mm -hmm. hundreds of coaches, um, holistic health coaches, life coaches, therapists, like whoever's on that. And it can get really overwhelming and confusing. Whereas when I log into my personal account, I'm just seeing like my friends and family members and pictures of that. And I feel so much better logging out of my personal account than I do with my business account at times, which is so interesting. Well, and what's interesting about what you said is I'm sure like on your business account, some of the things you're seeing are like wonderful, you know, great information and helpful information. But as humans, like it's impossible not to be like, oh, they said this. Am I doing this wrong? Or should I be doing that? Or should I be posting that? Or, you know, it's it's impossible not not to go there, which makes it so difficult. And now with the overcorrection, I think everyone has become um little everyone thinks they can diagnose. <laughs> yes, I was just gonna say that. <laughs> like I feel like I feel like this must be how doctors felt when WebMD came out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's absolutely terrible. Like, oh my, I don't, I don't do TikTok because I just, I I know it would make me go insane. Scratch that. Insane is a bad word. I know it would be unhealthy for me um, to use TikTok. Um, But I had, I had a client who is on TikTok and she told me, she goes, if one more person on TikTok tells me that I have whatever disorder, cause she'll post about, you know, this is how I deal with my trauma. And look, she'll post things about that. And then she gets all these comments of like, you probably have ADHD. You probably have bipolar disorder. You probably have dissociative identity disorder. Like all of these things. And she's like, what? I cannot tell you how many conversations start in therapy of like, 
So on TikTok this week, this person said this, and now I'm wondering this. I'm like, no, no, let it come from our discussions, not from the TikTok influencer, you know? And I agree, everyone starts to come out and make you think. Like, I'm sure the information provided is very valuable if it's coming from a licensed mental health professional, frame it that way. But then so many people are starting to screen themselves excessively and are starting to worry, like, do I have this? Do I have that? How do I treat myself? And good. I'm glad people are self-screening, but it may not really be what's going on or what you need to hear or what is helpful for you in the moment. Well, and I think it's increasing people labeling things all the time. Mm -hmm. So I have an episode about gaslighting and how Mm -hmm. I don't love the term gaslighting because I feel like for a while and maybe still, like I was just seeing like nine signs you're being gaslit, (laughs) like, (laughs) like how you're being, how you're being gaslit and you don't even know it. And I'm like, okay, so, so there's abuse, which is like not good. And we can talk about it and we can educate on it. And then there's just like unhealthy conversations. Cause sometimes we're humans and we like, don't fight in a healthy way. And like, that doesn't necessarily mean, and like, we, we don't need to label everyone. And so then like, I was hearing people being like, so I yelled at my significant other and I said they were gaslighting me. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. And I'm like, and then what happened? <laughs> like, right. did that work out well for you? <laughs> Yes. Was that a productive conversation? (laughs) Right. And not everyone's a narcissist. That, that frame is being thrown out everywhere. My husband's a narcissist. My mom, dad are narcissists. No, not everyone's a narcissist. And then that's all right. If they really are a narcissist, maybe you are being gaslit at times, but these are extreme situations we're talking about. It's not the everyday situation. Well, and I think people forget that people can be assholes. Like people, (laughs) am I allowed to swear? Yes. People can be assholes without being a narcissist without gaslighting. (laughs) Like some people are just assholes. Some people are great people who have an asshole moment or an asshole conversation or, you know, whatever. They had a bad day and they took it out on you because they're human. They're not a narcissist. Right. I love that. It's so true. I love that. So do you feel like this self-improvement culture can lead to burnout for people who try and work on themselves and work on their mental health? Absolutely. I think that, I mean, I think the term toxic positivity has been around for a long time. Um, but I think it's recently gained more popularity because I think that there's these people who have, you know, gone to retreats and worked with this person and done, done this course and read 17,000 self-help books. And then now they're like, oh my gosh, I'm inundated with all this toxic positivity. I'm burnt out this is terrible. Um, so again, like I, I almost think that like the, the trend of toxic positivity right now is like a result from the trend even a year ago, two years ago to like read every self-help book you can. Yes. <laughs> because it's like, we're again, I, I don't think we found that middle ground of the spectrum. Like we're on one end or the other. Can you explain what toxic positivity is for people listening that may not have heard that term or understand it? Absolutely. Um, This is not like an actual definition, but (laughs) in my opinion, toxic positivity is kind of negating, um, dismissing, I should say, any negative feelings um, to focus only on the positive. Mm -hmm. So common common quotes that like are termed under the umbrella of toxic positivity is like, oh, it's fine. Everything happens for a reason. Like, oh, chin up. Like you have it better than other people. Just focus on what you're grateful for. Again, 
those things are nice things to say, but sometimes they can be really dismissive if someone is, you know, struggling with certain feelings that they need to work through. Um, it's kind of this idea of like, ignore all the negative and just focus on the positive, which isn't realistic or helpful. Totally. When I do um, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, I try to explain that off the bat to new people I'm working with. Like we're not going into positive thinking. I'm not teaching you how to think positively. I'm teaching you how to think a little bit differently that makes your emotions more tolerable, right? So we don't jump to negative assumptions because anxiety makes us jump to the worst case scenario all the time. So I'm like, we're trying to slow down your assumption and look for evidence and look for the next best thought that makes you feel like you can tolerate the problem. It's not, let's think positively about this for the absolute best outcome. We're kind of saying like, what's most likely to be the outcome? It's because it's not going to be the worst case scenario. What's most likely? And sometimes the most likely outcome still sucks. It's better (laughs) than the worst case scenario you made in your head. I love that. I love how you word that because it's so, it's so true. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking of a Euphoria episode. Do you watch Euphoria on HBO? I don't, but I've heard of it. It's about high school, right? You have to watch it. (laughs) I've heard as a therapist, I think you'd really enjoy it. Um, so there's a scene, though, where one of the main characters, she's a high school girl, who um, is, like, in her room on her bed and, like, she isn't really into her boyfriend. And she's like, why aren't I? Like, he's so good to me. He loves me so much. I'm, he just doesn't do it for me. Like, I'm not into this. And I'm sick of trying to love myself. Like, why do I have to love myself all the time? And there's this great creative scene where, like, all these influencers pop into her room. It's, like, a very creative show. And so then there's, like, this beautiful woman who's, like, got six packs and is, like, a a bodybuilder and is, like, just start working out more. You'll feel better. And then another influencer. And so her room gets filled with these influencers that are constantly chirping at her about how she can love herself. And I was, like, this is such a good scene because this is what our teenagers are being shown, but adults as well. Like, there's a thousand people out there that have the answer how you can improve yourself. And when some people are just so sick of trying to learn how to love themselves through these ways, and it's a different process to go through to love yourself. I love that. Oh my, okay. Now you've convinced me to watch it. You got to watch it. You got to watch it. But I think that's normal. I think that's how people are feeling overwhelmed. I mean, I know that's how I feel. Like I, I, I I made a mistake on Instagram and I, I clicked on um, I clicked on a post about like improving your gut health <laughs> and now I only see things about gut health and guess what? All of the things are contradictory. <laughs> yes. It's like, don't eat this, eat this, eat this, don't eat this exercise more exercise less. And I'm like, <laughs> you don't know what to do. Overwhelmed. <laughs> Overwhelmed. And that's a reminder for us. Like it's the algorithm feeding us information like this is a whole system guys like we can't listen to everything that we're being shown on google as our google ads pop up what comes in promotions in our emails what comes to us on instagram you might just search one thing and then be bombarded with information and it makes you so confused pick one thing and follow it delete i've been doing a lot of deleting lately on instagram and it feels fantastic like if some if i scroll like Ah, this person doesn't do it for me anymore or their messaging I don't like or something about them is icky, delete. I'm not following you anymore. And I feel like a new person. I love that. I love that. And I, I do want to know that like, I think people on social media on, I mean, Instagram is what I use primarily. So, um, 
that's what I refer to. I think often we have really good information. I think often it comes from a really good place, but like these are strangers. So what works for them is not going to work for me and they don't know me. And we come from different backgrounds and like, don't even get me started on like the highlight reel. Recently, I've been seeing a lot of like poses that like on one side, it's like, here I'm posed. And on the other side, it's like, here I'm exhaling, (laughs) you know, it shows the difference in how people look, which like, I think that's a good start, but also why don't we just like stop posing? You know, I think that, I think that as much as we, as much as we know logically that it's the highlight reel, it's hard to feel that it's hard to like know that in our emotions when that's what we're seeing all the time. It's so true. I'm so guilty of it too. Like, and it sets this expectation that we should be living our lives a certain way. Like I had one, my second kid at the same time, like this fitness fabulous woman had her second kid. <laughs> like that's her job, right? She's, yeah. she's a, she's a bodybuilder and she sells programs for women. But I would like find myself being, Oh, like she's six months postpartum and her body looks like that. And then starting to be like, why don't I look like that yet? Right. And then like seeing her recently last week, like in this bikini, I'm like, fuck you with your bikini delete. Like here I am trying to compare myself to a woman whose career is based on bodybuilding. Like I have to check myself. Right. And I'm a therapist and I'm guilty of that. Or like there's other, like this other person like has been building this fabulous house for like three years. I'm like, screw you, I'm sick of seeing your pictures of your your build and progress, right? And so I could check myself and be like, wow, is that jealousy that I'm feeling? Maybe mm-hmm. I'm jealous of her building her new house, but I don't want to see it all the time anymore because I don't need to expose myself. You know, it's so, and that's that person's highlight reel, like this mansion that you're building. So it's constant all the time and we have to slow down and learn how to filter and understand why we're getting these reactions to certain people. Is it jealousy? Is it envy? Are we just so overwhelmed by looking at everyone's best parts of themselves, which makes us feel like we need to be the best part of ourselves all the time. And that's exhausting. It's exhausting. And that I love your examples because it shows that like the, you know, these people, this fitness person, the person building their house, like they're not doing anything wrong. Like good for them. Yes. Good for them. I'm sure they, I'm sure we have things that they might be jealous of if they look 100%, at, you know, 100%. And, and I think that a lot of social media, like you said, is looking at ourselves like, okay, this is triggering me. So this is like not good for me right now or recognizing what we need and what's hurting us and what's not hurting us. And I feel like we have, a lot of us have lost that filter, um, lost that filter of like, Oh, like this feels icky. Let me like separate myself from this. I love that you said that because those people I mentioned, you're a hundred percent right. They're not doing anything wrong. Yeah. Good for them with what they're capable of doing in their niche and and what they're good at and whatever it is messaging they're trying to send. It's me, you know, it's triggering something in me that I'm, un- I'm uncomfortable with right now. And I have to decide to want to continue to expose myself to this trigger that I don't need on social media instead of getting upset over how someone looks. Maybe I do an extra walk today, right? Maybe I do something for myself that makes me feel good. I don't know what it is. They're, you're 100% right. They're not doing anything wrong, but we I, we have to filter ourselves and get deep. Like, why am I triggered by this person? Do I need to follow them all the time? Will I feel better not being exposed to them 24-7? Well, and it's so ironic for like a culture that's obsessed with happiness. We're also obsessed with like, self-punishment, you know, like if I keep following these fitness instructors that are making me feel bad, maybe it'll motivate me. Like, nope, that's not working. (laughs) 
it's not motivating you. So let's find something else that might motivate you. (laughs) You know what? You read my mind because when I started following this person, I was like, oh, I'll see her and her journey and it'll motivate me to like bounce back whatever after the baby, which is no, it didn't work. It didn't make me feel good. And it's great if that works for some people, like good for you. Um, but it, it is interesting. This like, I'm obsessed with happiness, but I'm also like a glutton for punishment. And I just want to like, keep hurting myself. I can like, it's that thing where like, have you ever, um, I talked to clients about this, that thing where you, you look up your, your ex on social media. Cause like, you just kind of like, yeah. want to feel like that, like feeling, <laughs> I feel like that's what we're living in. <laughs> you are so right. To check on other people and how they're doing, right? It's a constant assessment. And I think that's contributed to like this idea we're talking about of needing to feel happy all the time, that great things should be happening in our lives all the time in every facet of what makes our life our life, right? And in terms of mental health or relationships or parenting or education, career, it really feeds us this false narrative that we have to try and like work through. What are some tips you can give people to start to accept that we don't need to be happy all the time and it's okay to feel okay-ish? One of the best tips that I have is so simple and it may sound silly, but if you are going through an emotion or, you know, and you can recognize that emotion, being able to say like, okay, today I'm feeling shitty, period, the end. Like that's it. Like, we don't need to do anything that. about it. We don't need to explain it. We don't need to excuse it. We don't need to, you know, go on a 10 mile run to make us feel bad. Like, okay, I'm feeling kind of shitty. The end. I, I actually said that to someone recently. I saw someone and they were like, Hey, how's it going? And I was like, yeah, I'm okay. And they were like, Oh no, what's wrong? And I was like, nothing. I'm just okay today. Not good. Not bad. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm mad today. Like you're mad. And they were like, well, how can you feel better? What do you want to do? Do you want to do this? But, and I'm like, I'm okay. Period. The end. Like that is one of like, and I think that like increases our tolerance to recognizing that like these things just happen and, you know, recognizing our feelings is really important because feelings give us a lot of information, but like just sitting with it, I, I don't think we're, we're comfortable or used to sitting with it. I love that. It's so simple. And we often try to overdo what is simple. And I think mm-hmm. just saying how you feel with the period at the end is an awesome way to start. I recently talked to someone. Now I, I respect people in the fitness industry. I think they have very difficult and, and great jobs. But I recently talked to someone who was like, what if every fitness influencer just said like, you know, eat pretty balanced and move your body. <laughs> You'll figure it out. <laughs> Simplify it for us. Right. And some of that, like, again, some of this we're like overcomplicating and, and obviously like mental health disorders are complicated and scary and serious. Um, but like in terms of like day-to-day life and trying to, trying to be okay ish, it's, it's important to kind of like take it back and simplify a little bit. I love that. You know, in my, it's funny. It reminds me. So I have a therapist. I go to therapy and my therapist recently, I was talking to her about like setting boundaries with someone that was like incessantly bringing up something that happened and like couldn't stop talking about it. And I was like so sick of hearing about it. And my therapist was like, next time, just say, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Period. I'm like, 
that is so simple. Why couldn't I think of that myself, right? Because I have this long speech to approach this person and blah, 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 and I got to write it down. No, all I have to say is, you know what? I really don't want to talk about this anymore. And and, val- and she was like, validate. Like, I'm sorry that this happened. Yeah. I don't really want to talk about this anymore. So simple. And I've been using it and it's been fantastic. So in- we don't need. I love that. We just need simplicity to get our feelings across, get our points across sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And I love that you just said you go to therapy. I go to therapy too. I think every therapist should go to therapy. I really struggle when people say to people who are not therapists find out I go to therapy and they say to me, why, (laughs) why do you go to the dentist? Like, (laughs) why, why do you go? Well, there's, we need to maintain things in our health. I'm like, you go to the dentist because you don't want your teeth to rot. I don't want my brain to rot. (laughs) There you go. I love that. I absolutely love that. This has been so helpful, Mary Ellen. How can people find you? Where can listeners find you? So it's the okay-ish podcast, O-K-A-Y-I-S-H. Um, so wherever you stream podcasts, you can listen to my podcast. Um, on Instagram, I'm okay-ish podcast, okayishpodcast.com. <laughs> Anything okay-ish podcast. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. This is so valuable. And I hope my listeners get something out of this. I know they will. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been great. It's good. I'll talk to you anytime. <laughs> I love it. Same here. I hope this episode helped you reset some expectations about how you should be feeling and what's realistic about our emotions and our mental health. If you enjoyed this episode, you may also want to listen to episode number 38 titled Three Types of Perfectionists. In that episode, you'll learn how perfectionistic thought patterns can actually get in the way of achieving your goals. And we also talk about social media in that episode and how social media can influence perfectionistic thought patterns. So thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to rate or review this podcast so I can get this content out in the world and support more people on their mental health journeys. I hope you enjoyed listening to the information shared during this episode. For complimentary anxiety management tools, you can head over to my website, carinocounseling.com. Thank you so much for listening and go enjoy all the moments your day has to offer you.